This is the Blood Doctor Show on a Wednesday. And, uh, uh, well, it is a pretty disappointing Wednesday um, because we have found out that Chris Paul has entered the COVID protocols. And we don't know exactly how long he's going to be out. The Suns just released minutes ago that he's going to be, there'll be a new update Saturday. Um, But Chris Paul could foreseeably miss some of, or all of potentially the Western Conference Finals against either the Jazz or the Clippers. We don't really know the situation. We don't know. We just don't really know much at this time. All we know is that Chris Paul is in the COVID protocols and um, he will have to be reevaluated. We also know now Kawhi Leonard is hurt. Um, and uh, it could be an ACL injury. We don't really know the extent of it, but at first it was reported that Kawhi, you know, landed weirdly on his knee and told his teammates that he was going to miss one game or at least to prepare to play the game without him. But now that has been updated to, you know, him being out indefinitely. So again, we don't know. He's not going to play tonight from what we understand, but there's no real timetable on Kawhi coming back but certainly you know the terms ACL injury and indefinitely are not good things for the Clippers um and fresh off a night where we saw you know Kevin Durant put together one of the most monster NBA performances that we've ever seen especially in the playoffs um but you know we we were hit with all this horrendous you know injury information um this shit sucks you know it sucks for both the Suns and the Clippers but it also sucks for all of us as NBA fans because we want to watch these teams play at their best. Um, and it just, you know, stuff keeps happening. This is the nature of the game. Injuries occur. This is part of it. It's no one's fault. It's just, you know, we don't know the Chris Paul situation. How we got, I don't know. You know, I, I know nothing of, of any of that, those details. It's just, it sucks. But if you're a Suns fan right now, you've got to turn to look at the situation like this. Um, Cameron Payne has done the job for the Suns. He's played, he's been awesome. Whether, you know, playing with the starters in Chris Paul's stead, whether he's been running with the backup units and, you know, kind of running the offense through him, campaign has been great. There have been several games where he has just blown to the rim multiple times and taken over and ended the game himself. And, you know, it's just, Cam has been awesome. Cam has been great. He's done it multiple times this season. He's had a couple of nice playoff games, and it's time to just, it's time to step it up. He's going to have to step up and and be the next man up and be the starter and take over for Chris Paul and handle his business. There's, There's really nothing else to say about it. This is not a situation where you can get down on yourselves or you can quit or you can look at this and say, oh man, this is, you know, this is bad. We're, we're screwed. What are we going to do? It's all over. We lost, you know, you can't do that. The Suns have no choice right now, but to play their asses off on defense like they always have and to play their game as good as Chris Paul is. And we know how incredible he's been and we know how he carried the team at the end of that Denver series. The simple fact of the matter is, is that if he's not going to be there, you have to just prepare. You, you've got to do every single thing that you can. This is just what it comes down to sometimes. When when the chips are down, when all the odds are against you, you have got to find a way to break through to the other side. Chris Paul said it himself is that everything the Suns want is on the other side of hard. Well, this is hard now. And I my personal hope is that Javon Carter gets some of those backup minutes. Um, you know, it's possible it goes to Etuan Moore. Um, you know, who knows exactly how it's all going to shake out. But I, I think... The Suns are deep. They are they are 
you know, switchable. Um, you've got, you've just got to be able to, to, to go through situations like this. And guess what? You've also got Devin fucking Booker. And I think that's the one thing that is getting lost in the mix right now is a lot of people are sort of like, oh, well, without Chris Paul, the all pro, he's been, yeah, well, Booker's been fucking amazing too. Booker has been goddamn incredible. And in both the closeout games, he's combined for 81 points so far. And this is just the time for Devin. This is it. If Chris is going to miss a couple of games, Devin has to go to a new level. We watched KD go to a new level the other night. We've watched, we've seen it all over the years, right? We've seen Le LeBron's gone to other levels a thousand times. Kyle Lowry went to another level in the finals, right? We've seen Kawhi Leonard do it. It, 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 is, it is time for Devin Booker to have his other level moment. And the fact that it's coming in his first playoff run, hey, that's just how, the, how this shit is shaking out. That's how it goes sometimes. When you have come this far, it's never because of one person. And no matter how good Chris Paul has been, and he has been amazing, but no matter how good that is, you never get this far because of one man. This has always been a team effort. And it will just have to continue to be a team effort. And you are now looking at your eight wins from a title right now. You are eight wins from a fucking championship. Listen, there have been plenty of teams in NBA history that won eight games when they had no business doing so many times in a row. So here's the thing. You, you just have to realize that, listen, we're trying to hold the fort down until Chris gets here, but every single man on this team has earned the right to be here. Every single man on this team has kicked ass all season, has played his ass off, has contributed to the culture, has contributed to the winning ways. And it is now time. It's just next man up. Step up, do your job, whatever other sports cliche you want to come up with. This is all it is. And it maybe seems basic or reductive, but it's really not. Campaign runs the Suns offense in a slightly different way than Chris Paul. So if if Chris Paul is out, then let's go full throttle and let's do it. Let's run every possession. Let's go back to the bubble when we went 8-0, by the way. And Campaign was running a lot of the offense. Yes, Rubio was on the team, but campaign was kicking ass and he was kicking ass with Dario, by the way. And I know it's not exactly the same. We're in the finals. It's not the bubble, blah, blah, blah. I understand all that. It doesn't fucking matter. You are this close and there can be no quit. There can be no, you, you can't, you can't lose an ounce of confidence in yourself. You just have to look at these as any other game and campaign, thankfully, has all of the confidence and all of the mental strength needed to do this. And again, Javon Carter, with Chris Paul out, having a guy like Javon Carter bring nothing but energy and nothing but defense would be so incredibly good for this team. It needs to happen. I really hope that Javon gets minutes. If we, you know, I, I, we all hope that Chris Paul is back and healthy in time, of course. But in the event that he's out, I really want to see some minutes from Javon Carter. And the Suns and, you know, our fans, we just got to keep, you just got to keep going, man. You can't quit. Um, I saw, you know, a bunch of people on Twitter were saying, keep the faith. That's what you need to do. That's, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't remember exactly who it was who said it, but they are right. You need to keep the faith. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't you just this. I just, I see some people tweeting like we're in the jazz title timeline or, oh, now it's, you know, only the jazz can make it because they're the only healthy team or whatever. I just, I don't want to hear any of that shit. It is a team effort. Everyone has contributed. Chris is still you know, able to consult as like a coach, 
even if he can't necessarily be around the guys or whatever it is, I don't know exactly what his, if he's in quarantine or I don't know all that situation, but there can be no quitting. There can be no resigning ourselves to, oh, well, at least we had a good year. No, you're eight fucking wins from a championship. And whether or not Chris Paul is there in the Western Conference Finals, whether or not he's there in the finals, regardless, this team is good enough to take this thing home and put it over the top. And you have got to do it. Everyone in that locker room has got to look at each other and say, we can do this. We know we can do this. Hands in, let's go. And I just, I believe in this team. I believe in Monty Williams as a coach. I believe. Let's go, sons. Rally the fucking valley. We can take this thing home. As far as the Clippers go, the Kawhi Leonard injury probably derails their season. But if there were ever a world where Paul George was going to earn all the respect that he's lost for all the weird shit he's said and done, well, I mean, this is that world right now. Because if Kawhi Leonard is hurt and you're in a 2-2 series with the Jazz and you're just a couple wins away from the Western Conference Finals and you basically have the opportunity to provide the whole playoff P thing with like a better potential ending, well, I mean, you've got to fucking do that. So, I mean, I, I'm not saying that Paul George is necessarily going to do that. Utah may just kick ass because Kawhi's not there. And, you know, they steamroll him, and then it's Jazz Suns in the Western Conference Finals. That may be what it is. But if there was ever a world where Paul George was going to have an opportunity to change, you know, some people's perception of him, there will never be a total, you know, some people will always just dislike Paul George. But some of us, me included, could have our perceptions altered if he put up an actual, you know, the type of game that he seems to talk about himself being able to have. Let's see it. And then it will certainly mean a lot to us. And I do think that that's one thing that's interesting here is that for as much as this game is about Kawhi's legacy and history of injuries, this game and this series now will be about Paul George and can he ever get the job done? He couldn't get the job done in the 2013 Eastern Conference Finals against LeBron. He hasn't really been anywhere near that level since then. Well, now you've got a chance to make the Western Conference Finals. Your best player is out for at least this game, maybe the rest of the playoffs. So what are you going to do? What do you have in you? Like everyone, you know, some people were like, oh, I don't know if KD can. Yeah, well, he did. He did exactly that. He scored. He assisted. He rebounded. KD did fucking everything. He carried that team to victory. And I'm not saying that Paul George can do anything like that, but I'm saying that if you ever wanted to change the minds of those people who are your detractors this is a golden fucking opportunity to do it that's just the truth and not just in terms of legacy and not just in terms of this season this could affect so much of the clippers future you know you flame out in the second round with you know paul george completely unable to do anything to carry the team then i don't know what you do to remake that team or how you fix it you know there have been a lot of games where a dude missed the game in the playoffs and the other star had to carry the team. I mean, I, you know, that it's not typical that guys carry teams for an entire series. You know, that kind of stuff is LeBron stuff. But we've certainly seen many players carry a team for a game in the playoffs because they were a great player. We've seen Kevin Durant, you know, do that last night. We've seen other games. We've never seen any, any game quite like that, probably. But um, you've certainly seen, you know, other guys have huge playoff games and find a way to get their team to that game six or game seven to save the season or at least save a chance at the season. And 
Paul George just has got to do this. He's just got to prove that playoff P is a thing. He just does because otherwise, <laughs> I mean, this is it, man. This is huge. Like there have been so many scenarios in Paul George's career where he could have had, you know, a, a career game or a career defining moment and he came up short. And I don't know how many more opportunities you get before people just stop caring. You know, he's still younger. Like, you know, it's not like he's 35 or something. And I do think that we forget, like, how long it was until Michael Jordan won a title and everything. Like, he was significantly older coming out of college. He was, like, 29 when he won his first title. You know, but in this era where every single thing you do is monitored and, you know, every game is scrutinized, there's just going to be a certain point. And some people are already at that point with Paul George. But there will be a certain point where some people just don't care anymore and they won't give him any opportunity. And, you know, regardless of what you do, it'll just all get swept under the rug. So I still think we're not at that point with this guy. And I think you have the opportunity to do something special. And it's just going to be really interesting to see if he has that in him at all. I truly don't know. I really don't. But we're going to find out. In news that is not uh, injury related, we have two coaching decisions that were made today. Scott Brooks done with Washington. That I thought that would happen pretty much all season. Then it almost seemed like when they made the playoffs that maybe something was going to change. But, uh, I mean, his contract expired, so they didn't fire him. It just, you know, they decided to move on when they couldn't agree on a new contract or whatever. So it's not like a big surprise. But there was some thought that maybe he would come back after they made the playoffs. But, nope, he is gone. And that's probably for the best if you're trying to keep Bradley Beal. I mean... If you are trying to keep Beal, you're not trying to trade him and you're trying to let him be involved in hiring or picking his own coach, you know, or whatever kind of decisions you're trying to make. I don't know. I mean, there, I don't know. There, there are certainly scenarios in which letting Brad Beal choose his coach would probably be helpful to, you know, the cause of, you know, him staying, but it may be, you know, past that point and they may know that they're headed toward a rebuild and you might as well get a new coach when you're trading your star player. You know, who the hell knows? I don't know what's going to happen with Washington. But I will say that, you know, the Scott Brooks thing can probably run its course. That's just probably what it is. It's been a long time, you know, and they haven't really gotten anywhere that matters in a while. And, you know, obviously a lot of that had to do with injuries. They've had repeated injury problems. But sometimes things just run their course. That situation just seemed like a run-its-course situation to me, so I'm not surprised. The one I am sort of surprised about is Stan Van Gundy basically being fired by the Pelicans. Um, it's not shocking in terms of, like, a lot of people kind of knew that this was coming. Like, I definitely heard a lot of, you know, insiders, you know, talking about that, you know, this could be a one-year thing and that, you know, the Stan Van Gundy thing wasn't really working. Um, there was certainly a lot of that, right? There was definitely... Those rumors were out there, so that's not shocking. What's shocking is just that, like, I mean, I don't, man. I, and I'm not saying Stan is, like, an all-world coach or something, but, like, if he can't even get these guys to play defense well, which is, like, the one thing he's been able to do, like, I, I don't, I think that Zion and Brandon Ingram can't play together. That's what I think. I don't think that you can build a functional defense with two dudes on the wing who just don't play defense. And whatever it is you're going to do with Zion, you know, he's a unique player. He's an offensive force. He's a defensive black hole. 
But whatever it is that you're going to do with him, you really have got to have good defensive players around him. Because if he's just never going to be, you know, what he seemed like he was going to be in college, you know, in terms of, you know, his ability to move around and block shots and those things, if he's never going to be one of those guys, then you need to have really good defensive players around him. And Brandon Ingram is just going to get another black hole. And it sucks because Ingram really, like, he's so long. Like, you think that, you know, he would be able to defend. But I think ultimately he's just not strong enough. I don't know that he cares enough. Maybe he does too much for the Pelicans on the offensive end. Either way, we're pretty clear that the Pelicans are building around Zion. And, like, Brandon Ingram doesn't fit well next to Zion. And... It seemed like a lot of the problem was Stan Van Gundy didn't get along with Brandon Ingram. So they chose Ingram over Van Gundy, but I don't think... I'm not saying that Stan Van Gundy is the right choice, but I'm also saying that like, I don't think you should be making decisions about your franchise based on what Brandon Ingram tells you. Now, if Zion didn't like him either, then that's another story, right? If Zion's your franchise player, Zion doesn't like the coach, then whatever. But I just think this is an interesting decision. Um, They have a couple of assistant coaches, including Teresa Weatherspoon, who have been floated as, you know, potential replacements. And that's great. If they have an assistant who gets along well with these players and they think can get them to play harder, then, you know, I'm all for that. And I understand that. I just when you have a coach who's fairly well known for, you know, getting a lot out of players defensively, who could not really get anything out of this team defensively. I don't know that, you know, the coaching change makes a big difference now if you move Brandon Ingram as well and then you give the new coach a functional team that can actually play defense and they happen to have a really good relationship with Zion now I'm on board with that and I think you know if Teresa Weatherspoon has a really good relationship with Zion and you know a good system great I just don't I don't I don't think that a system exists that makes Ingram and Zion work together to build a championship team that's just what I think I don't think that Neither of them can be on a championship team. It's just that I don't think they can be like the anchors of your team together and have you win a title. Like Ingram is like a number. He's like a a Robin, right? He's not Batman. He's a Robin, but he's got to be with, you know, defensive guys. These two both need defensive guys around them because they are just offense only players right now. And if there's some universe where Zion gets back to being college Zion, where he's flying around and blocking shots like it's nothing, then that would help. But he's probably never going to be that guy. He's probably always going to be, you know, an offensive, you know, wrecking ball. And that's his primary thing. So you just need to put better defenders around him. So the Brandon Ingram thing just doesn't work. So, you know, you can put this on Stan Van Gundy and you can scapegoat him if you want. And ultimately, again, Maybe this is just a we're going to keep Zion happy thing and Zion doesn't like Stan Van Gundy, so whatever. I don't know. But you've got to... Coaches can't solve broken rosters, right? Like, that's not a puzzle that can just be fixed. Like, you can't give a coach a car with, like, no engine and be like, you know, make it run. Like, it doesn't work that way. Like, you have to have... Your roster has to fit. And the Pelicans roster simply doesn't fit. And, you know, the Eric Bledsoe thing is an absolute nightmare that they, you know, they can't get out of. That contract has negative value. Now you've got to play pay Lonzo. But see here again, Lonzo and Zion fit well together and play well together, actually. The advanced numbers show that they play well together. So again, if Zion is your guy, pay Lonzo and then use Ingram 
and Bledsoe, you know, Ingram has value, Bledsoe has negative value, but you put those salaries together, you know, go figure something out or just dump Bledsoe somewhere and, and trade Ingram for a comparable piece that can actually play defense. But I just, I don't think those two work together and I don't think that firing Stan Van Gundy fixes that. And I think that they're setting up the next coach for failure if they make that coach try to solve this same problem, which I think can't be solved. I don't think another coach is going to suddenly make Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson really good defensive players. And maybe I'm just wrong. Maybe I will just be wrong. I've been wrong before, and I'm happy to admit it when I am. But I don't think that this is the solution. My solution would have been trading Brandon Ingram and giving Stan another season. But if you really love Brandon Ingram or you just really don't like Stan, then this is the move. And that's the choice that they made. And, you know, I'll give the Pelicans credit for this. It's like, if you don't think it's working with the coach, right, you know, and you gave him a multi-year deal, but it's not working, just fire him. You know, the, usually it's like, oh, well, you know, the owner doesn't want to pay multiple contracts and blah, blah, blah. Man, fuck that, okay? Do not ruin the relationship you have with your players by keeping a coach around longer that, you know, they straight up don't like. And if that's really what this was, is that Zion and Brandon Ingram were just like, I hate this guy. And those are your guys, then fine. I don't agree that Brandon Ingram should be your guy, but you get my point. So they made their choice and good for them for at least having the conviction to just move on instead of letting this thing linger, you know, on through the whole season and through the off season. And then, you know, next year, like just move on. And then finally, we're going to be doing a pretty short podcast today because this is just covering emergency topics because I just felt the need to discuss some of these things. But finally, the craziest thing that happened today is that Donnie Nelson is out as, you know, the uh, the Mavericks GM or, you know, president of basketball operations, whatever the hell his title was. But this, you know, a few days ago, there was uh, an article in The Athletic about how you know, noted gambler uh, Bob Bulgaris had taken on a large role in the Mavericks organization since being hired and had basically become the shadow GM. And, you know, it seemed like he was basically pushing Donnie Nelson out and taking power away from other people. And, you know, Mark Cuban tweeted that the article was total bullshit. And then days later, Donnie Nelson was gone <laughs> pretty much as, as everyone had anticipated. And the Mavericks have hired a search firm, you know, to um, hire their next GM. And, you know, it probably it might not be Bob. Who knows what, you know, that will be. But, you know, it's just funny because I once did a deep dive for a blog that I was writing for about how, you know, Mark Cuban and their organizations, you know, how their panic moves, constantly trading picks to try to acquire players and try to acquire cap space and all these things had cost them multiple chances at a title, even though that they had, they got one, they did get their one title. But if you went back and looked through, you could see how there were multiple moves that cost them really good players. We know they broke up a championship team. We know all that, but it, it, they, it predates the championship team, actually. Um, there were plenty of moves they made that were just panic moves that they never should have. And his aggressive style, you know, some people loved it. It never worked out for the free agency, really. But, you know, we are where we are. But the crazy thing to me is, you know, it's, it's just funny that we've watched Cuban for all this time. We've been like, oh, he's, you know, this wild dude. But Donnie Nelson has always been there with them forever. And, you know, I mean, it's just, it's just bizarre to me. The situation is just bizarre. I don't even, I'm like at a loss for words that it's just like Donnie Nelson has been by this dude's side forever through all of these things. And now he hires this gambler 
who was a very good gambler and a very smart dude, but like now he's like, well, fuck that guy. <laughs> like, it's just a very interesting thing to me when you see people who have long tenures with an organization suddenly get pushed out for, you know, some, you know, person who's got the ear of the owner. And, you know, there's all these leaked articles about how weird the organization is now and blah, blah, blah. I mean, this is the kind of shit that used to happen with James Dolan and the Knicks. Okay, that's the kind of shit that's going on right now with the Mavs. And that's why it's funny to me, because you would just never I don't think you would anticipate that. You know, this is just not I mean, okay, I guess that we learned that the Mavs organization was at least not stable when it comes to how they dealt with sexual harassment and things like that. So, you know, there is some some argument to say that the Mavs don't really have a, you know, a stable organizational history. They just did a good job of covering things up. Maybe that's really more what it is. Um, but I just, I don't know what to, I, I always thought it was interesting that Cuban was hyper aggressive, but still, you know, had guy, he's had Rick Carlisle for a long time. He had Donnie Nelson for a long time. Like he's hyper aggressive about their moves, but they haven't been, you know, hyper, you know, aggressive with, you know, hiring and firing, you know, GMs and coaches. And now this move, and he did hire Bob Bulgars a few years ago. So, um, you know, it's not as if it was immediate, but this is just a surprising move to me. It's a surprising move to me, and it makes me wonder. Well, I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if the whole the future of Luca is in question thing. He's about to sign a five year, two hundred million dollar deal. He's not going anywhere for a while, but this could be a situation to keep an eye on in three years in terms of Luca potentially not signing a third contract with the Mavs. And it's fucking obnoxious that that's where we've gotten to with NBA free agency talk that we're literally at this point like talking about things that could theoretically happen years in the future. I fucking hate that. And I, I shouldn't do it. But it just, it's, the, the Mavs organization is in flux. Let's say that. While I was recording this podcast, it was just announced that LaMelo Ball won Rookie of the Year. So that's more bad news for me because that means my Anthony Edwards top shot won't be increasing in value. But LaMelo Ball has won Rookie of the Year. Good for him. He had an awesome season. Um, overall, man, I, I think, you know, most of the awards were pretty good. Obviously, I think the Coach of the Year award not going to Monty Williams is bullshit. Um, but we already talked about that. LaMelo Ball winning Rookie of the Year is is pretty good. I, I You know, I think that's a... There's no way that you can argue that he wasn't the best rookie for, like, the first, what, 40 games or whatever. But... You know, then he got hurt, and then Anthony Edwards started to play really well. It's you know, it's it's hard to say, but um, it's still well deserved. Good for Lamelo. You know, good for him for you know proving that anyone who said you know he had a bad attitude or wasn't a team player or whatever, he proved all that bullshit wrong. Um, Charlotte's got a nice future, and so you know, good for Lamelo for winning. Congratulations to him. But uh, I don't think I have. I don't know if I have the stomach for any more news right now. This is all insane. So. I'm going to hop off here and I'm going to go uh, bump my head on the, against the wall until uh, until I hear some good news about, about Chris Paul because I, I need this son's title, man. I need this one. I'm just, I'm going to, all of my energy, all of my karmic energy is going into this son's title. I'm just putting it that way. And that is the Blunt Doctor Show emergency episode. Do not forget to like, rate, subscribe, share, do all of those things. And uh, try not to do anything that might cause more NBA news today. (laughs) Peace.